Good afternoon. Thank you for joining us again for Revelation Bible Study. We are starting in the chapter 6. So we are starting in the tribulation period in our studies. But before we get started, I'd like to take just an opportunity to thank God for this opportunity, for this chance to do this Bible study on Facebook Live and also to convert it over to the podcast for Trinity Word Ministry. I uh, am amazed. I am very amazed. And about once a month, I go out and look to see where, you know, the podcast has been or where it's been listened to, where the website trinitywordministry.com has been viewed, where the YouTube channel, Trinity Word Ministry there as well, has been looked at. And today I saw where there was two people today in China that had watched or had opened up the website and looked at some things on the website. So I thank each and every one of you for your prayers. I thank you for, for those of you that have shared this video, this Facebook Live. I thank you for that. It's not about me. Anybody could do what, I, what I'm doing here. It's all about spreading the word. It's all about getting the word out, especially in this day and age. It's getting closer and closer to end times. And so I just want to stop and thank God for, you know, the prayer of Jabeth is to enlarge my territory. Well, my territory for this podcast, if you will, and I say my, but it's really God's. It's on six of seven continents. It's in places like Russia, Ukraine, and China. And I am amazed and I am humbled by that. It is not because we spend a ton of money on advertising. You see it on Facebook. You see it. You get, may get an email. I actually ran across two individuals today, uh, my foot and ankle doctor and her nurse that actually has subscribed to the website, and they get the emails when I put things out. I'm amazed when I, I run across people like that as well. So I appreciate all that you're doing. I appreciate the prayers. I appreciate the suggestions that have made this podcast, this website, uh, even better. So just keep them coming in. But we're not going to take any more time, but I wanted to, wanted to say that this evening because I don't know that we get, I, I know we don't recognize those that tune in on a weekly basis or that go back and watch it and maybe even watch it over and over or listen to it over and over again. I'm amazed and humbled, and I thank you for this opportunity. But tonight we will be in Revelation chapter 6. But first, we're going to the Lord in prayer. Our most kind and gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this day, Lord. We thank you for your many blessings upon our life, Lord, for allowing us the opportunity once again to come into your house to worship, to praise, and to honor your name. Lord, we ask that you'll move and that you'll touch on those that are listening and watching as it is being presented. And those that will be listening or watching, Lord, later into the future, God, we ask, Lord, that you'll move and that you'll bless on them. Lord, no matter what country, no matter what ethnic background they are, God, we ask, Lord, that you'll move. And Lord, I ask that you'll enlarge the territory of this, of this Bible study. I ask, Lord, that it will be on seven of seven continents, Lord. There are scientists at uh, various lab stations in Antarctica at various times that needs to hear your word. 
Lord, I ask that you'll move and that you'll touch and that if there's any way possible, Lord, that this can be brought to International Space Station as well, God. There, nothing's impossible with you. The astronauts, they need to hear your word as well, Lord. Lord, I ask that you'll take this podcast, that you'll take this video as far as you want it to go. You will let those that you want to see, let those that wants to hear, Lord. I want, I ask that you'll bless and keep, Lord. In Jesus' sweet and holy name we pray. Amen. In chapter 5 of last week, and it was kind of amazing that we was able to do the entire chapter in one night. More than likely won't do that very often. But uh, chapter 5 set the scene for chapter 6. It was the all about the book that was that God himself was holding and how they looked through heaven, they looked through earth, and they couldn't find anyone that was worthy to open that book, even hold that book, read that book, until the lamb who was slain, and we know that as Jesus Christ, he was able to take that book, and at the end of chapter 5, <clears throat> he was about to open or release, or as the scripture says, loose, the seals and the and the book the scroll, as it was, was written on the front and the back, and it had seven seals on it. So tonight we're going to open, and we're going to look at those seven seals, the best we can. Now I'm not going to say we're going to get through all seven seals tonight. We'll get through six of them, maybe. We'll get through one of them if I quit shot, uh, talking and get on to the Bible study. Verse one. And I saw when the Lamb opened one of the seals, and I heard, as it were, the noise of thunder, one of the four beasts saying, Come and see. In chapters 2 and 3 of the book of Revelation, we read the letters to the seven churches. This indicates that the churches, the Christians, are still on the earth in chapters 2 and 3. Chapter 6 through 18 chapters, there is no mention specifically of the churches. So many use that fact to state that the church has been raptured off the earth in chapter 4 or beginning to chapter 5. This is not the only Bible scriptures that is used, but it does sway many to that opinion. And this very well may be true. And praise God if it is true. Because that means that as Christians, we miss all of the tribulation. I am certainly for missing all of the tribulation. However, as we study further, I will point out the other schools or camps of thoughts. The mid-tribulation rapture and the end-tribulation rapture. In Daniel 9 and 27, Daniel writes of the one week which is interpreted for seven years, a year for each day. And he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week. And in the midst of the week, he shall cause the sacrifice and the oblations to cease. And for the overspreading of abominations, he shall make it desolate. Even until the consumption and that determined shall be poured upon the desolate. This one week in the, is the 70th week of Daniel, which is the end times, as most people believe. Daniel 9 and 27 corresponds clearly with what Revelations starts and tells us 
beginning in chapter 6. Verse 2, And I saw and behold a white horse, and he that sat on him had a bow, and a crown was given unto him, and he went forth conquering and to conquer. Before we go any further, let's discuss something that a lot of people miss or they just kind of read over, gloss over it. There are a lot of people that believe that the one who sits on the white horse is Jesus Christ. Here is why it probably is not Jesus at this time. First, when Christ comes back the next time, he does not set foot on earth. First, the dead in Christ rises, and then in a moment and in the twinkling of an eye, the Christians that are alive, those that remain, will be called up to meet him in the air. If you don't believe me, let's turn to 1 Thessalonians 4 and verses 16 through 17, and it says, For the Lord himself shall descend from the heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be called up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Christ meets us or we meet Christ in the air at the rapture. Okay, let me just a freebie here for you. The word rapture does not appear in the scriptures anywhere. So there are a lot of people that believe that there is no such thing as a rapture. Rapture is the word that we use to describe the event in 1 Thessalonians 4, verses 16 and 17. Those that are dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be called up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. We are removed from this earth. In the moment, in the twinkling of an eye, in a very quick manner, we are taken up. I don't know any other word that best describes what verse 16 and 17 of 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 says better than the word rapture. Removal, okay, if you want to call it removal, well, we're removed. How about we take flight? The bonds of of gravity no longer holds us, so we float off. But we are not just floating mamby-pamby, willy-nilly. We are floating toward a purpose. We are floating towards a destination. You call it whatever you want to. I personally like the word rapture, even though I know the word rapture does not appear in the scriptures. That's what I'm going to call it from here on out is rapture. If you have a problem with that, you're going to have a problem with it. There is no better word in the English language to describe what we have just read than the word rapture. So, yes, it's not mentioned in the scriptures, but that's the reason why we use it. But did you catch that? In the verses 16 and 17, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, did you catch that in the clouds and in the air? Christ has not come to earth again yet. He has not set foot on earth yet. We see that the end of tribulation, when he comes on a white horse and fights Satan and his minions at the battle of Armageddon and wins, so unless the four horses of the apocalypse takes place at the end 
of the tribulation and they are at the start of the opening of the scroll, then this is not Jesus that's riding in this white horse. Many speculate in this, that this rider is the Antichrist. Note, John carefully describes what he is carrying, a bow, and he wears a crown. John never mentions any arrows, so most assume he is not going to go do physical fighting, but he will turn men's thoughts toward him. This is either the Antichrist, or this is a forerunner to the Antichrist, one of his minions. Now, just because John doesn't say that he has arrows, but he has a bow, doesn't mean that he doesn't have arrows. It's just that it's not pointed out in the scriptures. He went forth conquering and to conquer. It may be that he has arrows. John didn't list them because perhaps John assumed everybody reading the book would realize that a bow is useless without arrows. Perhaps he does not have arrows, but he is that good of an orator. Perhaps you believe that this would be impossible for a leader to gain an army and overtake citizens without bloodshed and without violence. We don't see that happening in our world today. We see the violence. We see the bloodshed. But let's go back into just recent history. And I say recent. Let's go back to Napoleon Bonaparte for a second. He returned from his isle on Elba with at least a thousand men who'd sailed off the islands with him. He caught the guards' heads turned and he slipped off into the darkness got on the ship and sailed back over to mainland France. He landed on French mainland and began his march to retake the city of Paris and his title and throne. As he marched to Grenoble, the 5th Infantry blocked his passage. Napoleon went to the middle between the Loyalist army and his men, the rebels, and told the Loyalists if anyone would shoot and kill their emperor, here I am. And he opened his coat and he turned around and he said, here. Kill me. If you don't believe me, you can check this out in the history books. It is documented history. If anyone would shoot and kill their emperor, here I am. As he opened his coat, the 5th Infantry began. Now, these are some of the best of the French fighting forces. The 5th Infantry began to shout, long live the emperor, and joined with Napoleon. So it can be done that one man can turn hearts, change minds, and get a vast number of people to follow them. Adolf Hitler stood in front. Now, yes, he did have his, uh, his little attempt, the coup attempt, earlier, and he spent time in prison for it. But then he started on a more political march, and before it was all over with, he was the ultimate leader of Germany. Not much bloodshed. There was some, yes, but not like it will, will be later in World War II. But Napoleon retook the city of Paris without firing, a, firing one shot. Every time he come to a loyalist army, he did something similar to what he just did with the 5th Infantry, and they fell in behind him. By the time they got to Paris, there was no one there to defend the city. Everyone in the military and the political structure had fled. He walked straight into the throne and sat down. Now, just a few months later, he lost it at Waterloo, but that's another story entirely. Horses 
in the old days were used to denote war and unrest. Often we see kings and prophets riding donkeys. Donkeys denote peace and is usually a sign that the rider comes in peace. The donkey is a lowly animal, which means the rider would be humbled for riding the donkey. We see Mary and Joseph coming into Bethlehem with a donkey. We see Christ riding a donkey into Jerusalem the week before his resurrection. The horse, on the other hand, is a very noble and powerful animal that is also very fast. Kings rode these, the horses, when they were going to war. This rider and the three that follow are all riding horses of different colors. They mean business. They're going to conquer. This horse, this white horse and his rider, which we are not really given any indication of who he is, but we know that he's not Christ. We don't know what he looks like. We know his horse is white. And we know that he's carrying a bow and that he goes out to conquer and to conquer. To conquer and to conquering. So he's going out to overthrow nations. We see in the end times that that will indeed take place. Many people have asked the question, where is America in the book of Revelation? America doesn't exist. Where are we? We do not exist in the book of Revelation. Does that mean that we are not in existence on this earth? Most people assume that. But we are not in the book of Revelation. Unless, and I'll point this out when we get there, Babylon, New Babylon, we the kings and people stand off them from afar and watch her burn. Perhaps that's America. Some have even speculated, and we'll get into this a little later in the in the study, that the the woman, the great whore, that's mentioned in, in the book of Revelation, that that is America. I will leave it up to you, and we will get there eventually in our studies, if the Lord tarries. But America is not spelled out. That's the first seal. We see a horse, a white horse. The, verse three, and when he had opened the second seal, I heard the sound, or I heard the second beast say, come and see. Now Christ has opened the second of the seven seals. The second beast tells John to look and see what is happening. The first horse was white. John looked to see the second horse and what the rider on it looked like and what he was carrying. And there went out another horse that was red. And power was given to him that sat thereon to take peace from the earth, that they should kill one another, that there was given unto him a great sword. His job is to take peace from the earth. This horse is red. Several versions state that it is a fiery red. The rider has a sword that would help him to take peace and brotherly love from the earth. So the inhabitants, as humans, <laughs> would turn on each other and begin to kill one another. We're not given much of the description of the riders and the way they looked, however. We do have a description of their mission in this world. Has the second horseman of the apocalypse already been released? We see riots. We see wars. 
We see civil unrest. We see the lack of love and compassion and caring on people. We see America in a way that I never could think and fathom when I was a child. 20 years ago, even as a, a young man, I guess 37 would be young. Still, we'll say 40 years ago, 17 years old. I would have never thought 40 years ago that America would have turned this way. So has the second horseman been released? Highly unlikely. This is what we're seeing is a prelude and a precursor to the releasing of the seals. Now, these seals are released in a certain order, one through seven. The book of Revelation is not chronological. You can't read from beginning to end and it be in a chronological order, but there is chronological orders in the scriptures and the opening of the seals and the blowing of the seven trumpets is chronological. One follows the other. Yes, there is a lot of unrest in the world. There's a lot of unpeace in the world. There's a lot of hate and discontent. If you don't like it now, you're not going to like it when the second horseman is released, when that second seal is loosed or opened. He has a giant sword that he's going to go, and, and that sword is to kill, but it's also just to irritate. It is just to be able to blame others, if you will. He's going to do things, and he's going to deceive the world, and he's going to make it look like Someone else done it. World War II, June 1944. Invasion of Normandy. A lot of people don't know, but in June, the invasion of Normandy, D-Day, there was deception going on from the Allies' part. They had deceived Hitler and his army into believing that we had built up an army in another location, but that army was nothing more than balloons and wooden cutouts and one general called George S. Patton. He was in charge of that fake phantom army and Hitler knew Patton was over there Hitler knew then that that invasion was going to come from that direction, so he applied all of his forces there. When all along we was going to land on the beaches of Normandy, all along we was going to land on the beaches of France. That's how they actually deceived Hitler. Deceit has always been used, will always be used, and Satan is very good at deceit. He will tell you that you don't need church, and you will believe him. He will tell you that you're a good person. You don't need to read your Bible and you will believe him. He will tell you that you're a good person. You don't need to accept Christ and you will believe him. But those are all lies from the gates of hell. Those are all lies from Satan. You do need church because you need to be surrounded by like-minded believers. Oh, I can gather. I can be around people anywhere I go. Yes, you can, but you're not assembling for a purpose. You're gathering for entertainment. When you're at church, you assemble for a purpose, and that's just to get closer to God. If your church is truly preaching and teaching God's word, that's why you assemble at God's house. 
is to get closer to him. You are a good man or a good woman. You don't need to read the scriptures. When Satan tempted Jesus 40, the 40 days or after the 40 days fast in the wilderness, Jesus didn't come at him in anger or frustration. He came at him with the scriptures. He didn't try to push his way through. He didn't try to tell Satan to sit down. He had the power and authority to do that. But he used the scriptures. Why did he use the scriptures? He used the scriptures to teach us that we have to use the scriptures. So you're being tempted? Get in the scriptures. Study them. You're a good man. You're a good woman. You don't need God. There are a lot of good people in hell. There is only one way to get to the gates and get through the gates of heaven. And that is through the blood of Jesus Christ. I don't care how good you are, but I also don't care how bad you've been. You, you can't be bad enough for God not to love you. You can't be prodigal enough for God to turn his back on you. You have an option. And that option today, that option tomorrow, that option a week from now, if you're still here, See, you're not promised the next day. I don't spend a lot of time talking about the rapture in this Bible study because I believe we spend too much time talking about the rapture. We're not guaranteed that we will live long enough to be in the rapture. I may not make it through this Bible study without I drop dead. You may not make it through tonight's video, through tonight's reading of the word. Are you ready to go? That's the question. Being good doesn't count. Our goodness, if you will, I'm going to use my own words, our goodness is nothing but filthy rags. But God's righteousness allows us the opportunity to go through the gates of heaven and live there eternally. Peace is going to be removed from all over the world. If the church is still here, we're not ready for it. We're not ready for the conquering. We're not ready to be conquered if the church is still here. And when he had opened the third seal, I heard the third beast say, come and see. And I beheld and lo a black horse and he set on them, had a pair of balances in his hand. The third seal has been loosened or released. The first two has seen a lot of violence, political upheaval, and instability. So John must be asking himself, what is next? And it gets worse. Each horseman is worse than the one previous. As the third seal is opened, a black horse rides out with someone holding a set of scales or balances in his hands. Most call this horse famine. At the same time that the black horse and the rider is seen, a, at the same time that the black horse and the rider is seen, a voice is heard in heaven. A voice which declares a tribulation on the earth. 
Verse 6, And I heard a voice in the midst of the four beasts say, A measure of wheat for a penny, and three measures of barley for a penny. And see thou hurt not the oil and the wine. The third seal is broken. We see the black horse. We see balances in his hands. I think when I read on this scripture, I, I honestly, I go back to the handwriting on the wall, Belshazzar. We know that he was drunk and drinking and he was praising his little G-gods with the, with the vessels that came out of God's holy temple. And a hand, he saw, the Bible tells us that a hand comes and just is suspended in midair and writes on the wall, Mene, Mene, tackle up Sharshan. I have found you wanting. I have weighed you and I have found you wanting. Can he say that about us? Hopefully not. This third horse has a balance. He's going out and measuring. He's measuring the wheat, he's measuring the barley, but he is measuring us. Welcome to tribulation. Welcome to famine, to hunger, to more strife, more murder, more killing. Welcome to hell on this earth and only going to get worse. You think it's bad now. You've seen nothing yet. The voice that was heard as the horse and rider galloped by stated, to eat it would take a lot of money. A measure of wheat or three measures of barley for a penny. A penny is the amount of money a lower class citizen would earn for a day's wages in ancient Rome. This is what we call the Roman denarius, mm -hmm. which is about 15 cents to us. We think, wow, 15 cents is not much money. But that's all the money they made in that day, in that one working day. Monday made 15 cents. Tuesday they made 15 cents. Wednesday they made 15 cents. You don't even have enough to buy me a Mountain Dew yet. Thursday, 15 cents. Friday, 15 cents. Saturday, 15 cents. They took Saturday or Sunday off, depending on what day they believed was the Sabbath, and they started right back up on it. You're not making a lot of money. What this is telling us is the amount of money that I'm making will feed me. Won't feed my wife, won't feed my, ch my child or my children, won't feed my grandchildren, it'll feed me. It is worth one man or one woman their food for a day. Welcome to tribulation. A measure equals roughly a quart. So it's going to cost a complete day's wages to buy only enough wheat to last maybe one day, actually last one meal in one day. And perhaps the barley would last maybe three days if you rationed it out. Because you've got a little bit more um, barley. You've got three measures. You've got three quarts of barley. So you not last three days. But after buying this wheat or barley, the people would not have enough for all to cook the wheat or barley into cakes. However, the angel or the beast, whoever the voice belonged to, tells the horse and rider not to hurt the oil and wine. 
Now, with the cost of everything going up, 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 and up, the people cannot afford the oil and wine, but that material is not to be damaged. So with the inflation, it is even worse seeing the goods and not being able to buy them than it would be if the material was not available. Hunger, starvation, famine is the cause of a lot of deaths worldwide now in our time, and it will be worse in the tribulation. And when you think about it, deaths by hunger, starvation, and famine is a result of war. Right now in, in Ukraine, with the, with the war battling going on between Russia and Ukraine, Ukraine exports a lot of, oh wait, wheat. They're one of the larger exporters of wheat. But because of the war, the fields are getting destroyed, the crops are being destroyed. So there's not enough wheat to be exported from Ukraine. There's not really enough wheat to go around even in the Ukraine, but it definitely can't be exported. So Europe is hurting already from this war. And we're talking wheat. Coincidence? Don't think so. Now again, I don't believe that the horseman has been released yet. I do not believe that. I believe that if we're anywhere, we are still in chapter 5. I believe the meeting could very well be happening right now between God and Jesus. See, John wrote about this from his day looking forward into time. We don't know when that meeting's going to take place, but we know immediately following that meeting, Christ opens the seals. That's what chapter 6 is all about. I believe if we're anywhere, we are at that meeting. Honestly, I don't know that we're even there yet, but I'm just saying if we're, if we're further down the road than what I think we are at that meeting. No, I'm not telling you what day the tribulation is going to start, nor am I telling you what day the earth is going to end. That is not the goal. But I am telling you to be uh, observant of your times and the times that are around us. We see this stuff happening in my lifetime, in your lifetime. <coughs> Excuse me. Verse 7, when he opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth beast say, Come and see. Three seals down, four to go. Each horse seems to be getting worse. John can only speculate as to what he is about to see. How many horsemen of the apocalypse are there? There's four. He's just released the four horses. How soon does this happen? Does the first horse get released in one day, the second horse in the second day, the third? No, there's a time lapse, okay? There is a time gap between one horse, two horse, three horse, and four horse. There's a time gap. How much of a time gap? I have no clue, and no one else does. Even John couldn't told us what that time gap was because he is in the spirit in heaven, and time does not exist as we know it in heaven. Hence the scriptures that a day is a thousand years, and as a thousand years is but a day with the Lord. 
It's not saying that a day here on this earth is a thousand years in heaven and a thousand years is just a day. No, it's saying that time doesn't count the way we count it. A day will be forever. Now remember, I've mentioned this multiple times in in the biblical days, a thousand is the largest number that they truly could comprehend. They really didn't understand larger than a thousand. Not that they're stupid, but 40 years from now, we're not going to understand what they know. 40 years from that, they won't understand what those 80 people or those 80 year and in the future understands if the Lord tarries. So time doesn't exist in heaven the way we know it. That's the reason why a thousand is pretty much eternity or infinity to them. They had no concept of that. I'm not real sure we do. I don't know that we really have a concept. We understand what a thousand is. We probably understand kind of what a hundred thousand is. Very few of us probably have an idea of what a million is. A billion is way too big, and a trillion is out of this world. But America is already a tr multiple trillions in debt. Do you understand how much debt this country has? Verse 8, fourth horseman of the apocalypse. And I looked, and behold, a pale horse. And his name that sat on him was death. And hell followed with him. Power was given unto them over the fourth part of the earth to kill with the sword, and with hunger, with death, and with the beasts of the earth. The wildlife will begin to attack us. I am a firm believer, and most people that study the book of Revelations, a firm believer that this is the middle of seven years. That this really starts around 30 years into the tribulation. So we are mid-tribulation at verse 8. That's what most people believe. We see a tribulation and then we hear of this great tribulation, which is the last three and a half years of the tribulation. Most people believe we are squarely here now, because it's not truly chronological, things that are written in the verses beyond what we're at now, chapter 7, 8, 9, 10, all the way up to 22, well, actually all the way up to 18, 19, is interwoven in all of this. John wrote the big points, and then he went back and he filled in the gaps for us. And the, way, the reason he did that is because it makes sense when you think about it. It would scare us to no end to understand this book completely. Christ opens the fourth seal. The pale horse gallops by. We see it in King James as pale. But the word pale is not how we recognize it today. Let's go back to the original Greek and look at this word. When the word pale is used in today's culture, it's often an off-white or a non-vibrant color. In Revelation, the word that describes the grass in Mark 6 and 39 is the same word used to describe the horse. 
And he commanded them to make all sit down on companies upon the green grass. The horse has a green tint to it. You say, well, wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. There's no such thing as a green horse. Actually, there is. They're absolutely gorgeous. They're not grass green. They're not, you know, Crayola, Crayola green. They've got a greenish tint. If you've ever witnessed a loved one to pass away, if you've ever come upon a, a dead body, you know that green that this horse is. The horse was a light green. Before embalming and other modern means of preserving the dead body, this was the color of a corpse. When an individual passes away and they've left a significant amount of time or a sufficient amount of time, the body takes on a hue of green. The horse looked like a dead body, was the color of a dead body. So it is no wonder that death was the rider of this horse. It signified death. It looked like death. In the mountains we say it looks like death warmed over. Hell was following him. So in this instance, we, we so in this instance, two were seen rushing out to do their mission. Hell follows death because hell represents the judgment that's about to fall as well. That's the reason why most people believe that this verse is actually about mid-tribulation. So this is not three days or four days into tribulation. This has been years that's went on to us to get to this point. One-fourth of the remaining population were to be killed by this rider. His weapon of choice was the sword, or war, hunger, famine, and disease. And also by the wild animals. Nature abhors a vacuum, and nature will fill that vacuum the best way it knows how. I can point to you something that's happened in most of ours, unless you're really, really young, most of our lifetimes, we have seen nature take over a city. That city is outside of the wire fence at Chernobyl Nuclear. When Chernobyl blew up in March of 1986, and it was evacuated in April of, or I think it was April of 1986 it blew up, and it was evacuated, it didn't take long for nature to start moving in and encroaching on the cities that's around. Priapet is abandoned, except for the wildlife and the trees and the foliage. Nature is taking it back over. So nature, nature abhors a vacuum. It will take back what God has allowed man to build on. We look at the jungles in South America and we see that entire cities of the Incan Empire, which was huge at one time, was covered by the foliage, by the jungle. And lo and behold, they discover these by cutting through the jungle. Hey, look, there's a city here. Hey, look, there's a temple. Hey, look, what, what have we found? So the, the world, the nature had taken it over and hidden it. We find the pyramids. We dug them up from the sand that had covered them. We see that the, the tombs of the pharaohs was covered by the sand. Israel is built on layers of history. America is built on layers of history. Everything is built on layers of history because when man disappears, nature takes back. 
So this, this individual, this, this writer, I won't call him an individual, but this writer, death, he uses war, hunger, famine, disease, and wild animals to do his bidding. A mighty war can disrupt the supply chains, not only for the beleaguered cities and countries, just as we've seen with the invasion of Ukraine by Russia. A large encompassing war would have devastating effects on all countries. World War II, we didn't have enough nylon. We didn't have enough silk to make nylon or to make stockings for the ladies. That's why nylon was created. We didn't have rubber for the tires. So they vulcanized. They learned how to do all of that. We didn't have a lot of things. And so they had to work on those projects. With the weapons of annihilation that countries now possess, the defenses of countries destroyed houses, obliterated, towns decimated. The remaining people are trying to live off the land, and this is where the wild beast attacks. Because, you see, they're also disrupted. We've moved out, we've encroached even more into their territory, so they're going to fight back. No food, sickly, no shelters. The animals, pardon this phrase, but they now have an all-you-can-eat buffet. It's what they dream of of a night. The four horses of the apocalypse has ended, and over one-fourth of the Earth's population is gone. To put it in perspective, in 2019, there was 1.9 billion people. That's one billion eight hundred and ninety-four million two hundred and eighty-two thousand six hundred estimated population in 2019. The population in Earth that sorry that would be what it would be in 2019 had this happened was be 1.9 billion because the population of Earth in 2019 was estimated to be seven billion five hundred and seventy-seven million. 130,400, 7.6 billion people, if you will, in 2019. We're three years beyond that, so that 7.6 is way beyond. We're way beyond 7.6, but we went from 7.6 in 2019 to 1.9 in 2019. Had this happened then, to put it into perspective. I say we stop with the four horsemen, give you a place to, you know, to think about what we've talked about because now we're going to open up five and six seals and we're going to get on into the last half. Believe it or not, it gets worse. We are going into the last half of the tribulation. And the very last seal is the great day of his wrath. We've got some more studying to do between four. Five is ugly. Six is terrible. So you can only imagine what seven is going to be like. So let's go to the Lord in prayer in closing. Our most kind and gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your many blessings upon our life, Lord, for allowing us the opportunity, God, to study your word together. Lord, we ask that you'll move and that you'll touch and that you'll lift us up, Lord, into your bosom. Lord, that you'll protect us, that you'll guide us, that you'll give us decision-making skills, that you will give us discernment, Lord, to understand 
when someone is trying to deceive us. Lord, we ask that you'll move and that you'll touch even this night, Lord, in Jesus' sweet and holy name we pray. Amen. I don't want you to be afraid of what we've just read with the four horses of the apocalypse. I do not want you to be afraid of it. I want you to try to understand it. That's what this study is all about. No, this study does not answer 100% of the questions. It can't answer 100% of the questions. There are a lot of things that we will not understand if God allows us to go all the way through chapter 22. But it will give us a better picture of what is about to befall on this earth. And we are getting closer and closer and hopefully through this study of the book of Revelation, it will give you a desire to tell more people about Jesus. It will give you a desire to witness more because you see what's coming on this earth is horrible. It's horrendous. And we shouldn't wish it on our worst enemy. We should try and pray and, and work and witness and testify to those worst enemies and our friends and our neighbors and our loved ones, our children, our grandchildren. We should, we should purpose in our heart because of what we are reading in chapter 6, 7, 8, all the way up to 18 and 19. We should purpose in our heart that it should make us more diligent about spreading the word. Come back and be with us next week. Same time, 7 p.m. Thursday afternoon here on Facebook. If you miss any of this, we can always you can always go to Trinity Word Ministry channel on YouTube. You can go to TrinityWordMinistry.com. The YouTube channel is this video. The TrinityWordMinistry.com is an audio version of this video. So you can listen to it, or you can rewatch it, or you can catch up by going to YouTube. You can it's always going to be on Facebook, or you can go to TrinityWordMinistry.com, or if you can turn on Pandora, Amazon Music, Spotify, Anchor. All kinds of webs or all kinds of medias for podcasts. If you listen to podcasts, it, this this podcast is probably out there on it. Because I have made a, a good effort to try to make sure it's on all major medias. That's how important it is. Not so you can hear my voice, but so that you can hear God's word. Because it's all about preaching and teaching to all nations. If you begin, if you're enjoying this please let me know. If you've got questions, please let me know. If you've got suggestions to make the sound of the video better, please let me know. If you think the message could be better, take that up with God because this is all God's message. Love you all. Take care of each other and we'll see you next week.